0: This is Rugger Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. And we are talking, developing... The top players in the USA through the younger age grade programs, and we've got a, a nice interview with Salty Thompson to talk a little bit about the high school All-Americans. Actually, talk a lot about the high school All-Americans uh, tour to South America. Uh, that's going to be the focus of the show uh, today. We we've got a lot to talk about uh, going forward with the show, and I know we're going to be talking about college and and sevens and club stuff later on, but today is about the high school All-Americans. Um, and guys, first of all, glad we're all together again. It seems like it's been a while. Um, uh, Pat, first of all, did did we? I know I was doing most of the reporting on the High School All-Americans. Were you keeping track of that? Was that the sort of thing that maybe guys you talked to, um, were they keeping track of it?
1: You know, I didn't talk to very many people about them, um, but I certainly was keeping track. Yeah, it was fun to watch um, and see how they were doing and see where the guys are coming from. I think that's always really interesting. Um, and it was for me personally, but no, I didn't really talk to anybody about it per se. What about, what about you,
2: Bruce? Yeah, I actually, I watched the Argentina game, um, and I did follow it on rugby mag as far as what was going on. And I, I definitely, I spoke to Mike talking about it quite a bit and we, you know, we were just, so I did enjoy it. So, but I like that stuff. I, I like it. It was it. It was actually interesting to me. It was interesting to me in that it it wasn't like when we got, even though we got killed by Argentina on the scoreboard, Argentina made a lot of mistakes. We just didn't capitalize on them. So it it wasn't like a complete whitewash that can't be fixed. It was a lot of stuff that could be fixed. And perhaps that they, you know, maybe been able to win their lineouts a little bit better. And a couple other things. I think that possibly that that could have been turned around pretty well. So that there was there was a lot of good things that came of it. And I think that there's always a lot of good things that come of things like that. There was it was uh, so it was interesting to me. Real, I was actually really interesting to me.
0: Good. Well, I, we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, more about the idea that the senior national team coach is talking about this stuff too. Uh, this is an interview with Salty Thompson uh, about the high school All-Americans tour to South America. Just a refresher: they went three and two on the trip. They beat Chile twice. They lost really close game, kind of unlucky to lose against Uruguay. Then beat Uruguay. Those are all U19 teams, and then played Argentina under 18s and were beaten quite handily. But as you said. Bruce, uh, perhaps closer on uh, in, in between the 22-meter lines than it was on the scoreboard. Okay, so this is Alex Goff with RugbyMag.com and Rugger Matrix, and we've got USA High School All-Americans head coach Salty Thompson with us, and Salty, you're right, you are just come back from your tour of South America where you played five internationals uh, in a space of about two weeks. First of all, um how hectic was that for you and the and the staff?
3: Well, I think I mean I, I suppose high hectic wasn't for the players. I mean yeah. 32 players, 5 games, once we started playing, was a game every 4 days and uh it was um it was demanding, but it was designed that way so we'd see uh, how these boys could react to uh, I sort of thought in an international environment, uh, not dissimilar to a World Juniors or a World Trophy. And uh, I think they did very well with it.
0: Well, they, the results certainly uh, are good. And, and I, I, think it's, I think it's really easy for people to just sort of dismiss and say, oh, it's just Chile. But it's Chile in Chile. It's where the, there's no football. There's no American football in Chile. So that your, your big, strong kids who don't want to play soccer are going to play rugby. So that your your talent pool is very strong for Chile and you know to start off with those two games uh, a a fairly, fairly close win and then a really uh, emphatic win after the guys had gotten their their sea legs so to speak under them um, yeah that's I mean that's a, to start with those are a terrific performance to just get started that way
3: yeah I, I think we tend to look down upon uh, you know the, the Chilean Uruguay thinking that they're uh, you know they're really underdeveloped in their rugby which is really not the case i mean rugby was brought there by uh, uh by the british and uh the club tradition is very rich and the facilities are are first class and chile will host the world trophy in 2013 so they're they're anxious to get their program uh you know on target to host the world trophy and they did a super job hosting us and uh you know, you you said it. Their their athletes don't get drawn every which way. Yes, soccer is king in South America, but um, in basketball, probably number two in Argentina. But rugby is up there, and uh, young players aspire to 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 play it.
0: Was it a step up? I would imagine it's a step up to go to Uruguay because the thing about Uruguay, Chile is a weird country. It's it's basically if you take the inhabited the inhabited area of Canada and flip it on its side. That's where you've got this long, narrow country, um, certainly centered around Santiago, but, but there are people from all over. Uruguay is basically a triangle centered around Montevideo and pretty much yeah. every good talented rugby player gets funneled through the club system, which is around Montevideo. Everybody's really, on, I mean, it's a really concentrated talent pool. So it was a step up to go play them.
3: Well, yeah, because, I mean, you said it, Alex. um, They've worked together, you know, I mean, they've worked together something like 40 times in the season. Mm -hmm. Their national team are together. Uh, So it would be like uh, the team living in Seattle in the metro area and then coming together at one location. So very similar to BC in that regard. They can do a lot of work together, and it shows in the way they play, the way they structure their malls. Uh, the the way they're on the same page with their game plan and they understand each other and they play very well together
0: uh, how much of a, ba- a battle was this series which was uh when you had uh, two very close games one very close loss and one very close victory
3: well um you know it's you, you you're coaching a, you know on the run so to speak i mean we had put a lot of things in place, uh, but game one exposed us to the fact that we did not defend their mall very well at the line-out. So we had a couple of guys that could sack effectively, um, but we decided we weren't going to play them, and that was uh, you know Joe Whalen because he had played a lot, and also his lot partner was Oliver Drew. And uh, with those two missing we were caught wanting in game one because we, we effectively couldn't sack, And then once we got their mall moving, we got penalized a couple of times for coming in from the sides for pulling down the mall. And that was a bit of a disaster. So in in the, in the time between game one and game two, we had to teach the sack. We had to teach how to kinder their mall, um, you know, to emphasize getting lower, coming through the gate, you know, working our legs, driving. And, um, if you notice in game two and also against Argentina, who even step it up further, that we psyched their line out mall, their line out effectively, and we actually limited their mauling. And I actually think Uruguay were better in Argentina with their line out mall. So it's good. Um, well, that, that's pretty a, happy with
0: that. That's a great lesson for uh, players who have aspirations for senior level because defending the mall is a critical thing. Um, and, and just to explain the fact, to, to anyone listening who's not completely uh, dialed into what that means. And basically what you're talking about is um, uh, the line-out jumper catches the ball. He's brought down so that they can set up the mall. And just as he, hit his, he hits the ground, he's essentially on his own for a split second. And that is when you can, as a, as a defender, grab him and take him to the ground. And you've defeated the maul by preventing it from happening
3: yeah providing your teammates don't make contact and turn it into a mall right so um so that you know there's uh that's that's a challenge you've got a split second to do it if you don't do it right um they are gonna damage you they're gonna gain some valuable yards and I think you know if you look at Uruguay's game one and game two they they are very effective on a side meter out. they are hard to stop and they use it they put themselves into the corner. And uh, it's one of their best offensive tools. One of uh, so
0: going through there, uh, I, I guess there the was a, a learning curve, and um, the USA guys, the the high school all Americans, did achieve that and, and win the second game. Um, great, a great photo sent to me. Um, uh, ASC Tours, who ran that tour, sent us a great photo of, of both teams together, just uh, looking exhausted yeah. but smiling together, and that's that's a great aspect of the the trip. Um, but moving on to Argentina and, and you and I talked about this that, that night, um, that, uh, you know, you knew it was going to be very difficult. It was Argentina under 18s, but this is a tier one nation. Remember Argentina was number three in the world on a senior level in 2007. Um, and, and this is their high performance, group again not competing with anything other than soccer if you want to tackle somebody you play rugby in argentina um and and you were beaten fairly handily um what what factors contributed to um you not really you know not scoring any tries just not so much losing but losing by a, a fairly large margin
3: well we knew the gap existed Alex. um I mean I, I think you, if you look at um under 20 if you look at under 18 if you look at the senior level there's a surprising similarity to where teams stack up in terms of depth and um the Argentina U20s uh were fourth in the U20s I believe they lost uh they beat they beat France and Scotland I think one other team they went in Australia they went 3 and pool play in the U twenties in the World Juniors and ended up I think losing to Wales now for fourth place. So you're dealing with, with a with um a very good academy system at the regional level that produces high quality players and their domestic league is is very good also, even though and then you have, you know, hundreds of players that are playing in Europe. So all in all, um Very good uh, program, well drilled, fast, athletic. Uh, They play the game at pace. They understand what they're doing. And um, we knew would be in the receiving end. But I think it was important for our kids to understand that here's a certain level and uh, this is what you need to measure up to. So at first, um, there was some question as to whether Argentina would even give us a game. Yeah. But – uh, and we could have easily have gone to Brazil, uh, which would have been a nice location with the 2016 Olympics in mind and, and opening up relationships with Brazil Rugby Union. Uh, however, Argentina was, was to me the epitome of, of uh, excellence in, in South America, and I wanted to see how we'd measure up, and it's important for the boys to, to go through that test.
0: Yeah, a trip to Brazil might have been fun, but and Argentina is a great country to visit as well. But um, you really need to uh, test yourself. It's you know at some point you go through and say, okay, we we've we've beaten Chile twice. We're at that level. We're virtually equal with Uruguay. Then you then yeah. you test yourself a little bit more. And and you're right about I mean Argentina at the U20 level beat France, beat Australia, beat Scotland. Lost to South Africa fairly handily, and then lost a close one to Wales to finish fourth in the world yeah. on the under-20 level. That's that's really strong. Now that the comparison between high school level and all American uh, and and excuse me and under-20s amuses me a little bit because uh, I know you were interviewed in Chile about this, and I know they talked about this in uruguay too where where they they basically asked you so how many players from the championship junior world trophy champion under 20 team are on this tour and you said none and i think you shocked them a couple of times i think they were expecting you to say oh five or six or something like that but yes but there were none so we talk about depth in the united states System, we we had a team that won the Junior World Rugby Trophy, and not a single one of those players was on the trip with you. And you go down and go uh, three and two uh, on a very very difficult
3: tour. Yeah, but you know we're looking at producing players for the future. You know, and obviously the, the stepping stone is how well do they move out of high school Americans? Do they contribute to the U twenties? Uh, and coming out of the U twenties. Are they making inroads into the collegiate All-Americans? Are they making inroads into USA Sevens, and are they ultimately appearing for our Fifteens? So, um, you know, with the recent um, collegiate All-American tours actually happening right now, both our Fifteens going to Ireland and our Sevens, which, which I think uh, assemble tomorrow, sort yeah. of like almost a double header. Um, you know, the first thing that, that I do is go through that list and identify a number of former age grade players. So, um, that system is, is, is really being fruitful right now. So, um, uh, you know, we don't get everyone, uh, you know, some players are coming in from, uh, at various stages of their development, but, uh, going back to, to your point, this tour was about developing, not just for, this year and, and for next year, 2013 U20s, but for 2014, 2015, we had six sophomores on the trip, um, right. who are among six of the best players on the on the squad. So, I, I think that we're going to look good, um, and we're going to be able to plan for a number of years rather than just trying to reinvent a team every year.
0: Excellent. The 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 age grade numbers are starting to look very good. Um, I, I guess you're, you're developing players for the Eagles. Unfortunately, you're also, it seems, developing players for the NFL. So I, yeah. because we're seeing uh, Johnson Badamosi and Nate Ebner, uh, two uh, high-profile names, crediting their rugby experience and their high-performance rugby experience, and, and Nate Ebner saying he'd never really done anything serious in sports until it was rugby. And, yeah. and that helped him, uh, because, you know, he, he's, you know, got a good shot with the New England Patriots. Is that a little frustrating to see players, um, not stay with rugby, even though they're staying with sports?
3: Well, not really. Um, Alex, when you look at it, I mean, the, the, the pinnacle of professional sports in this country in terms of contact sports has got to be the NFL. And, um, um, I think it gives credibility to our sport that we have you know that level of athlete playing the sport and uh, there there 's more out there. We could have taken Sam Wuching to uh, to South America on tour with us sam 's going to be a, a husky mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he, he plays outside center for the Kona Bulls in the big island of Hawaii. and uh he clearly looks one of the best prospects um at, uh, as a senior in in the United States, playing rugby, and was is very keen to play. Um, I didn't take him on the tour because I thought, well, you know, is he, he's not going to be around for the next four years, and and uh, therefore is is he holding back the opportunities for somebody else? But um, we do have that quality of athlete uh, playing the game, probably more than ever, and uh, we have some young guys in the program right now. At age 18, they may be offered, a, you know, a, a football scholarship, um, and uh, you know, good for them. Um, perhaps they'll come back to the game. Maybe if Johnson, Batemose, and Nate, at some point, feel like uh, football is not uh, not moving forward in their lives. Then, then we could see them back.
0: Well, I think I think you're right that also, on a personal level, that would be great. But also, the idea that that rugby gains uh, uh, legitimacy through those players saying it was already a Nata, obviously one, of, one of the stars of the NFL, uh, crediting yes. rugby for, uh, for his, uh, his success, um, Palamo, uh, we'll see w- what he does with football, whether it's football or rugby. But, but the other thing is we're, we're starting to see spring up some scholarship programs in rugby that yes. might, might make players, uh, make a choice. It's, it's not just about money though. Um, Let's look at Scott Lavalla. I think Scott Lavalla um, had a pretty good shot at doing something in college football, and chose instead to go play rugby at Trinity in Ireland, and is now a professional at Stade Français. And a very, you I know, mean, he's just he signed a three-year contract. He's he was as good as played against
3: uh, played against Argentina <laughs> on the weekend. That's right, played yeah. against
0: Argentina, started against Argentina, one of the better Eagles in this past June. Um, he just made that choice. Um, and, and we wouldn't say put anyone under pressure to make a choice one way or the other, but those choices are out there. Is there something you can do or Scott Lawrence can do to help make that choice rugby? Because sometimes it's not about money. Sometimes it's about, I just like this more or my opportunities to play for my, for my country or play in the Olympics, those kinds of things.
3: Well, I, I I think. I mean, obviously you get parents involved here. And, in Alex, you know, as, as a parent, you know, you think if if you can get your son's education paid for, and um, which is probably worth what in the range of 200 to a quarter of a million dollars when you think of it, mm-hmm. um, the way university costs are these days, it's, it's pretty hard to say no to that. I, I think from a player perspective, I think rugby – Offers a freshness to a lot of young guys. I think the the football in some cases becomes tedious. It almost becomes a job um, by their senior year, and I think a lot of them see rugby as a refreshing uh, game where they're free to you know to, to run with the ball and do things in rugby that they can't do in football. But when it comes to competing with you know, we can't compete, really, with the level of uh, scholarships available in so And But if a player loves the game, then um, he, he may choose it because it's going to offer um, a lot of intangibles and not just, you know, obviously, um, you know, Soul Ride scholarship is something that, you know, you want to take seriously. But the contacts and the, the connections that open up through rugby sometimes are, are underplayed. That may right. lead to jobs
0: and opportunities uh globally excellent no that, that's a that's a very good point that's, you know the The college opportunities are still out there much more in football uh, um, but when you when you think about professional the the NFL is not getting any bigger. it may get a little bit bigger but it's, the the opportunities to play real pro football don't aren't expanding that much, but the athlete pool is expanding. So at some point those, those yes. athletes we and rugby and, and would you agree that a we need high school programs to be serious and well organized and well put together and B that that is happening And that would
3: have- I, I, see, I, I, see, I see movements there I think that Kurt Weaver in the national office I mean there's, there's efforts at the state level. Through state-based organizations, I think the moves in our coach development program fall in line with uh, le- with um, making the sport legitimate to high school athletic directors. And I spent 25 years uh, teaching here and coaching here and in, in in Phoenix, and and certainly understand um, understand high school sports from the inside. And um, I think there are moves that are going in the right direction. Um, for rugby to be more inclusive and more part and parcel of the high school environment. But then at the same time, athletic directors, I think have a full plate and and adding more sports sometimes um, just, you know, puts them in over their head. (laughs) You know, whether it's lacrosse or rugby, there's, there's this, oh my God, another sport that they have to really contend with. And it takes away from administrators have to supervise, High school sports and it just adds to their plate.
0: Do you, do you think that high school rugby coaches get it more now than they used to?
3: Oh, very much so. I, I think that, um, you know, there's a responsibility when you're dealing with, with young men and young women that, um, quite honestly, I think as we sit down and, and realize how heavy that responsibility is and, and, uh, and with it, liability. You know, for sort the of safety of the athletes and the welfare of those athletes, I mean, it's um, it's not something. That, in fact, I think high school coaching in general, a lot of young teachers are very wary of getting involved in coaching because it is a labor of love. There's usually stipends involved with high school sports, but it, you know, if you work it out per hour, it's the low minimum wage. Right. So. You know, teachers and, and coaches do it for the love of the game and, and to, to work with young people and know the value of sports in general and how they impact young people. So I, I think that um, rugby youth coaches do get it, and I think they're increasing to in their commitment to fall in line with what high school athletic departments would need.
0: Good, good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the opportunities that are available for these players. And I, and I realized this was a 15 a side tour down to South America, but, yeah. but you have grabbed with both hands, the, the Olympic goal in the high school, all Americans program, I think faster than the college, all Americans or the other, uh, other programs. I, I don't mean to undercut, uh, or, or criticize anybody for not responding, but I think the high school, all Americans responded as quickly as anyone, to saying let's get some uh, opportunities for these kids to start playing sevens. And you you took a high yeah. school all-Americans to Las Vegas uh, in in 2011. You did it again this uh, past year and you expanded the number of players that you were taking or you you sort of expanded the program a little bit. Um, how close are some of these players to to making well, the jump to you know, sevens?
3: <sighs> I guess the proof will be in the next few years. I mean, if you look at, um, let's take 2009 year 20s as an example, Mm -hmm. Um, we've got uh, Peter Tiberio and we get got Zach Tess that came out of that backline. line. Um, Two two well-known figures probably in the USA 7 setup right now. I I think we're seeing Cam Dolan was in that setup, Uh, Brett Thompson, uh, some guys are coming through. So,
0: Mokate? was, was Mokate there? Yeah, Mokeith.
3: Yeah. Mokeith was was '08 in yep. Wales. Um, so we're we're beginning to see those guys, you know, make a presence, not just and in Tynanosa, of course. So they're, they're they're coming through to to look at this group and last year's group in 7 to say, well, who is going to emerge out of it? Um, it's still a little bit early mm-hmm. to really predict whether somebody at I don't think we are where, let's say, where the Australians are, for example, who tend to blood their players really young into their sevens program.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I think it, I think we've seen, what, maybe three guys at 17 or 18 plans for the Aussies. Right. So I don't think we're quite there yet because we just don't have that experience. But certainly the team that we took England, um, you know, it's for the England school sevens and went five and one and, and made – day two in a 105-team tournament was uh, had to be a good experience for our boys. And, and uh, you know, there were a number of guys there, I think, that uh, we'll see whether they do come through yeah. in the next couple of years.
0: Well, I've got a name, and I won't say it. Uh, I won't put the pressure on the boy, but I think you know who, yeah. I think, uh, who I'm thinking of. And, uh, and he, he didn't do himself any harm playing in South America either. Um, and uh, there are guys that, that do make you sit up and say, who is that? Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and and I, I think it's um but um you know we 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 need to mentor these these uh, young guys and 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 help them get into programs where they're going to grow and develop. I think that's that's a big challenge um for us that that uh, sometimes players do get lost mm-hmm. um particularly when they come through let's say not everybody's colleagues bound. Are we really taking care of of their future, where they go next? And I think USA Rugby and I is really addressing this, that we don't want players to fall through the cracks and maybe disappear for a couple of years or maybe disappear entirely. So I think we're, we're very sensitive to uh, creating a pathway for each kid, regardless of whether he's going to go to a four-year school Um, or to attack school or or straight into uh, the workforce. You know, if if they have a desire and ability to play rugby, we've got to to monitor and and help them really develop.
2: Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs, whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots. Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com.
0: We are back talking with USA High School All-Americans head coach Salty Thompson after the South American tour where they went three and two, uh, sweeping Chile, splitting two games with Uruguay U-19s and losing to Argentina U-18s. And Salty, we were talking a little bit about the experience, the overall experience for the players and not only about learning rugby and not only about developing themselves as rugby players but also developing them as as young people and, and players getting the opportunity to play overseas uh, is good for them as people but also good for them as rugby players that they, if they get the opportunity to play overseas or, or think about playing overseas, now that won't be as much of a daunting task. They've already been to a place where they speak a different language, where rugby still sort of bridges the gap, bridges that cultural gap, uh, and maybe they'd be more willing to take that risk.
3: I I, th- I think you're right, Alex. I mean, I, I think, for example, with the U-17 tour to Wellington and the fact that the professional teams who are interested in four of our boys, mm. um, I think you know the boys began to open their eyes to the fact that this is a legitimate sport, this is a professional sport maybe i'm I may want to go this direction um i, I don't want to put young men in a, in a position I have to choose it It's sixteen yeah. um but I think by the time they're eighteen, uh the best possible scenario would be on the one hand a a college uh, football offer. And on the other hand, maybe a contract to go into a professional academy. That to me, that would be the best of both worlds.
0: Your your scouting is is like you say, chiefly through the the All Star events that go on state based organizations and other regional teams that play in uh, um, the Denver area. They play in the the D C area. There's one in the Northwest. There's you know California. Um, there was a great tour of British Columbia down into Northern California, things like that. So you get—if you can't yeah. go to those—you see the film, you talk to the coaches. Um, what, in addition, what other are some of the other ways that uh, a, a player can get seen or considered or talked about?
3: Well, film uh, is is a great asset. Um, I would say that, for example, for the U17s. There was a lot of Southern Cal representation in that team, and it, and it would uh, it would go to the fact that Gavin Hickey, as a coach, to the Wilson High School team did a great job filming their games, and I saw five of their high school games leading up to their uh, Southern Cal championship win. So um, coaches can reach me and, and email me about players, but um, you know when they when they do that, if they can add some game film to it, it really helps. Um, Joe Kelly was a player that was uh, selected for the South American tour from Greenwich high school. And, um, I'd never personally met Joe until the tour, but I saw a lot of Joe on film and I had a lot of reports from, from other coaches that had played, had coached against Greenwich and, uh, he came highly recommended. But, um, so we took him basically on film reports.
0: And, uh, you, you happy with that? Um that that choice, obviously. Yeah,
3: but you know, we we can get out everywhere. I mean I'm I'm full time since January, but uh I mean we got we got good scouts around the country, uh we've got a good network of people. I I, I hope uh, everyone knows I'm very open. I'd rather hear about a player that's particularly younger, uh, that has time to develop. Um I get frustrated if it's a senior and he's just come out and he looks like he's a real prospect, but um, we didn't really discover them until late. It's maybe too late for the high school Americans, but more huge U20 prospect. But um, um, we are getting, you know, um, uh, recommendations on players all the time, and I want that. To, I want that to be an open door. Okay. Um, so definitely, coaches can contact me, and and if they can back it up with film, and 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 if it's a player that's coming out of their school and he's playing select side, then it's always good to get other coaches. Uh, comments on that player
0: also all right well salty thompson head coach of the high school all americans and just back from uh, a really really successful south american tour uh thanks a lot for the taking the time to talk to us all
3: right well thank you alex
0: hey everybody don't forget that the largest rugby tournament in the country is coming up sooner than you think february 7th 8th 9th In Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Invitational, it's wrapped around, of course, the USA Sevens International Tournament. And it has everything you want in a rugby tournament. Thousands of players, over 200 teams, uh, kids, adults, college, elite level, international level. Uh, You've got the CRC qualifier. You've got uh, women's, 15s and 7s. It's all everybody would ever want in a rugby tournament. And you get to see the USA 7s. And you get to be in Las Vegas. Go to USA7s.com, check on the LVI link, and see how to pre-register. So we're back, and a lot of stuff from Salty Thompson talking about developing these players. And I think, uh, going back to what you said before, Bruce, before we had the interview, um, the value of developing players includes taking them on you know putting them in a situation where it's difficult now chile is a tough team to play but the usa guys were better but as you see see from the scores they got better with time together on tour uruguay was a step up obviously they split those games they were very close remember that all those uruguayan young Uruguayan players the, the talented and promising ones are all put in the same area they they come together all the time i think he said 40 times a year they assemble that's enormous compared to the uh the USA but then you take that next step up so Bruce w- would you say having having watched that that Argentina game where they were beaten uh pretty big was that um was that a case of they had to see that before they were able to play it
2: i think that with the the Argentina game basically showed is the, the Argentinians made a lot of mistakes and but they also capitalized on the American mistakes and they didn't panic in situations where the Americans had the ball. I think that when Argentina made a couple of breaks, they were able to get in behind it the, the 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 line break and and support it from depth in behind, whereas the Americans tended to spread a little bit and have guys forcing passes or not really have proper support behind and I, that, that, that's a big bugaboo of mine. There was there was a lot of good things in terms of the way the defensive structure was set up and then at some points it would break down but a lot of it, a lot of the game really showed that we can play with them. We probably, our back line probably didn't have the confidence to stay that deep and, and, and also one of the things that was really Right. I thought they really messed up early on as they, it was a little bit windy and they took a kick from about 40, it was 40 meters, but a little bit to the side, enough to the side that it was a tough kick to make. And they got a penalty very early and they missed it. And it essentially advertised, and they missed it kind of bad. And it essentially advertised to the Argentinian team from date, from minute one that they can't kick it goal we can do whatever the hell we want Yep. yep. then they struggled in lineouts so when america would kick a ball to the you know to the sideline or the corner or whatever they were trying to do they couldn't convert on the lineout so basically argentina was able to play almost with reckless abandon at the breakdown cuz it didn't matter if they got penalized cuz the us couldn't punish them for it and and i think that that's what really turned the game into kind of a an overwhelming hit but the us had there was a lot of really good moments they didn't have a whole lot of height uh they were pretty strong they actually scrummaged okay for for most of the game um and so there were a lot of good things to be taken out of it and i think that those those things are very valuable and and they but and i think they learned from it and i think that they're kind of probably pretty upset I spoke to Paul Barford. I know they're pretty upset that they could have, it could have been different and it could have been better. So I think that's great because hopefully next time it will be.
0: Those, it was an extremely challenging tour. So we talked about five games in the space of a little more than two weeks. The guys certainly were, I think tired and a little bit beat up by the end. I know they took a big squad, but even so uh, some of the players uh, couldn't go by the end of it. Um, uh, and, uh, but the, the, the tour itself, and I want to ask both of you guys about this, um, Bruce, because you've been so involved with um, successful teams, and uh, Pat, uh, because you're still playing, let's talk about touring. So, Pat, for you, when you go on a trip with a team, uh, especially, say, early in the season or you're on a new club uh, or you're just getting, putting something together, how – Valuable is that travel, that tour, whether whether it's a tour to Colorado, or it's a tour to Ireland.
1: I think it's immensely important. I haven't done the uh, the tour to Ireland before, but um, you know, I think that it's immensely important that for de- for team building, um, for being around each other and playing, but also for having fun and reinvigorating people. and And I think maybe at this age, um, what it, the most important part is, is it gets you in a high performance environment that shows you that. You know, me being the best player on my team isn't all that rugby is going to be for me my whole career. That the more I play and the better I play and in the better environments I play in, there is something really cool to be a part of in terms of being on the U.S. national team. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of talented players that for whatever reason don't get selected to teams. And maybe rugby is something fun they did in high school. And then, you know, maybe it was something fun they did in college. But uh, because they weren't shown that high performance, highly competitive Um, international side of the game, um, they kind of fall away from it. And I think that at this young age, a lot of these guys um, you're going to see are are because of this experience are going to come back to rugby. And I think that maybe one good example um, that I kind of learned about this last weekend was Jack Tracy. The guy, the last time he played serious rugby um, up until this last until 2012 was at the 08 um, Junior World Championships when he was playing with the U-20s. And he, uh, he went and played college football and Um, fell into you know started following the wrong path and fell into uh, some substance abuse issues and whatnot but as soon as he got clean he came back and wanted to play rugby again and you wonder if how you know that rich experience of getting to go to Wales and playing on a high performance tour how much that would have uh, played into the process and if he had just played high school rugby and not had those rich experiences is it something he would have been eager to come back to? I don't know, but I think that that's uh, it's definitely a possibility. I think
0: that's a very good point, and and not only that, but you have to have the right coaching, the right structure behind, and I know that uh, Jack Tracy continued to talk to both Salty Thompson and Salty's wife, Beth, about his problems after he had uh, stopped playing. So who does he turn to? You know, he turns to one of his former rugby coaches. Jack Tracy, by the way, he wasn't actually much. You know, he didn't start an awful lot for that U uh, twenty uh, team because he was uh, the guys ahead of him were Nate Ebner and Threaten Palamo. So you, you, it's kind of a you know it's too bad you're not starting, but but uh, it, it's no great shame to be put on the bench because of uh, Threaten Palamo and Nate Ebner. Um, Bruce, more on the elite side. Let's, let's talk about clubs that want to be elite clubs players that want to be elite players um and is it important to travel is it important to travel together um, and then i guess the other thing is how have we lost have we lost the tour and nyack doesn't tour right i mean you've you've taken trips you've taken trips to the west coast and you've taken trips to florida and i guess that's a tour um i don't know the last time you went uh, across the Atlantic, but um, is is that is that a critical part of putting a team together or developing a player?
2: I don't know that it's a critical part of putting a team together or developing a player, but it is a critical part of fun. Um, yeah, you know when when we were in when we were in high school and college and and early years of our men's club experience, we toured all the time. We were we. We went for weeks at a time or 10 days or seven days or things like that. And, and we were able to play and experience different cultures and different opposition and different people. Sometimes we even went for a weekend where we'd uh, fly, fly out Thursday night, play, arrive Friday morning, play a game in, in Ireland or England on Friday afternoon and go to the International on Saturday stay over Sunday and leave home on Monday. So there's all kinds of ways to go and experience the different cultures and be immerse yourself in rugby. Now it was different back then in in that we didn't have a whole lot of access to different books that were the in, in like you could get any rugby book you want. There was there's YouTube now and rugby's on TV. We we used to watch Six Nations games where a guy would fly it in from, from Europe that Saturday night and we would, you know, so they'd have the Saturday night flight. They would get in Sunday morning and we'd watch it Sunday night at, at one of the one of the Irish places. So that's kind of how we had, and, and I was talking to John Everett and Tim O'Brien and Mike talking about this, about how when we used to watch games, we would get a VHS recording of a game and watch it like, Twenty times or thirty times, because that's all we had. Oh sure. You know, you may have one or two or three games, and you know, you, you, uh, the the Cavaliers tour that the New Zealanders took to South Africa in in uh, eighty six. The uh, there was there was a whole bunch of there was a whole bunch of really fantastic things that we were able to watch. But that's how we did it. So we needed international rugby at the time just to show us what the heck to do. Now. I, I think that things are a little bit more sophisticated, and and while I'm not saying in, in, at the at the club level, or, and I'm not saying that we actually need that tour, but I think that there's a lot to be said for how do people behave on tour? How do people react to different um, situations on tour? How do people react to their teammates when you know travel problems and things like that, or billeting problems, or so how do these guys react to that? You kind of you get a lot about a guy's personality, and you also get to learn about more about some of the shy players that you don't really get a, a, a big chance to know. When you're when you're doing things uh, on a local level, they you know they're at practice and they leave, and, and maybe they're just very shy and they don't hang out or hang out and talk to you. So touring to me is 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 a big thing. It's a it's a very missing component of rugby, and I think that it's you know I think that the direction that USA Rugby and the Congress with Alan Shortley and Adrian Gannon is uh, is absolutely positively dreadful. It's gonna set rugby back 30 years, and and it's gonna set rugby back. It's gonna set rugby back 30 years in the wrong direction, and it's not gonna do anything to develop the game, and it's gonna make having fun even even worse. So it uh, that was actually the the impetus for me writing my article. That um, I've gotten a lot of nice feedback, and I appreciate everybody for you know, emailing me or Facebooking me or in instant messaging me or texting. I I really enjoyed that. But touring to me is very important. I think fun is important. I think club is important. And I think that there has to be an, an, a place in the season to allow you to relax and enjoy yourself.
0: I, I, I think fun is very important. And I also, um, think, think, you know, when you say that, uh, there are more resources out there to help a a, a club or a a player develop. That's true. But uh, maybe then these tours for younger players are that much more important because it exposes those younger players to uh, the things that they don't know. They're not necessarily going to do that research on their own. And uh, I, I know it exposes some of the more sheltered players to the grander global rugby culture at large, uh, perhaps open their eyes to taking some opportunities they might not take before. I uh, just want to circle back to something you said about the, uh, the club plan for the future. And I think that uh, maybe, you know, we'll get into this more detail maybe in another show. I, I, I don't know, but uh, the the point is that there's a, there's, there's a plan in development that will change the way that uh, division 1 especially club uh, rugby in the men's side will be played uh, a longer season uh, playing in the fall playing in the spring as well f- 15 17 20 games something like that the plan is to dumb down rugby
2: and yeah. and ha- wait no 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 the plan is to dumb down rugby and to have everybody play an excess amount of games and have to be in sevens and a sides and b sides and travel that they're not putting into place and and having championships during during the uh, the international time in, in during the international windows. I, it, it, the fact of the matter is it, it it has been horribly thought out. And why Nigel Melville isn't dealing with this. Uh, pretty forcefully is baffling to me. And to be honest with you... Yeah, so
0: that's what that plan is about. We'll probably talk about it in a lot more detail later, especially if it comes through. One of the classic issues of of whether you examine it while it's being dealt with and put together and tweaked, or do you wait until it's approved and then tear it apart? But that is what Bruce was talking about. Let's go go back to the subject initially.
2: As far as elite-level players there it, it's invaluable to be able to tour as elite-level players, especially in the summer, when they're essentially a captive audience. They have nothing else to do. No, I mean, outside if they don't have a job. They have nothing else to do. They can go. Every single person essentially in the country is in the exact same boat. And I think that that, in and of itself, is, is very, very important because that is that is what you again you get to see how people behave you get you get to train multiple times a day so they're in a they're in a daily training environment they're in with high performance coaches who understand what they're supposed to do and they're also in with players who are motivated so everything that can possibly be put together to make things be the hit the perfect storm that's what it is on top of the fact that they say playing in argentina they're getting to play a top 8 you know a a top tier level team or the future of what is a top tier level team so they see what it takes but they also see that they're beatable they see that those guys put on their shirt their, their pants one leg at a time those guys are just like us they're not a whole lot different and if we had eliminated some of these mistakes and capitalized on some of these opportunities, that that game can really close itself down. They also get to see the level of fitness, the level of strength, and the training that those guys do because they do get to meet them, talk to them, and find out about them and what they and what they do. So in in meeting the next, um, you know, Felipe Cantapome or or um, Diego Cash or or Hugo Porta, they get to understand what it takes to be that. And I think that that is where the value lies. They get to see what does it take for me to get to that next level. And some of them are going to go with it and really make the effort, and some of them are going to fall by the wayside. We need to spend time developing the guys who are going to make the effort, and we go from there. And I think the more we learn about that and the more we get our players in front of their elite players early on and we see what it takes – we will have better opportunities to perform more consistently in international rugby when they, when they reach 25, 26.
0: No, I, I, I think that's true. And, and by the way, when the, uh, I asked the, couple of the players, what they talked about with the Uruguayan players when they had dinner with them after the game. And, and I asked some rugby questions because now we didn't really talk that much about rugby. All we did was talk about girls. So I, I don't know what they learned about uh, Uruguayan women on the tour. But uh, the, I, I think I think the pathway makes sense to me now. High school All-Americans tour. They've got a couple of, they do a tournament in the spring They also do some sevens February and in the spring, and then they also tour in the summer. You do that tour, you come together, and then U-20s has the competition. They've got the Junior World Championships coming up. So that that makes sense to me. You do the mix of the tour and the championship. Then the the key part following that is can we keep track of those guys? You say some of those guys fall by the wayside. That's – That's fine. People will always choose to do something else, but can we keep track of them? And can we give them something to play that is meaningful for for them as they get older? In a lot of college programs, yeah, they can. But if they don't go to college, what are we doing with them? So I hope we can do a little bit better on that front. I hope that the... America's Rugby Championship, the USA Selects program, uh, the developmental program on that level um, would be able to do as good a job as Scott Lawrence and Salty Thompson are doing with the younger ones. So that'll do it for us on Rugby Matrix America. We really appreciate Salty Thompson taking the time to talk to us uh, after the tour of South America, which was uh, uh, pretty grueling for him and his staff as well as for the players. And for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, this is Alex Goff from Rugby Mag. Thanking you for listening to Rugby Matrix America.